Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona Review. My name is John, Ooh. impervious to disease Hastings. My co-host, Dylan CDC, got. Both of us have, we've had so much sex with cool ladies that we're actually impervious to all types of flu, and they're using our spunk as the vaccine. That's not true. I'm living in fear every day. Hello, Dylan. How are you? <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I think I'm, uh, I'm never going to get coronavirus. I'm washing my hands. I'm fucking even jacking off with gardening gloves on. It hurts a lot. There's blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it, is it thick crimson blood? Like your loads, your blood is also thick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like what I spat up after I got my wisdom teeth out. Holy gee. It's a wish with a lot of mucus. You know what I mean? <laughs> So before we get to the death of the territories, part two is part of our year-long Vince McMahon saga. So telephone tough guy, I really want to explain this quickly because it is very good. My friend Bryn got an interview for being a telephone tough guy. He called it. This was back when you had to advertise. You didn't have to advertise, but the dying days of advertising in the newspaper. This is 2006. And then uh, the guy <laughs> asked, uh, asked Bryn, how long have you been a tough guy? And Bryn said, all my fucking life. <laughs> and then he went into the interview that's real he went into the because <laughs> i watched him do it i was like what the you swore the guy was like yeah. so the guy comes in in a leisure suit oh yeah uh yeah. and uh like a, like a fucking made up snl character leisure suit like the collar is over the blazer there's like three buttons done up there's chains and uh he goes here's how, how you be much cialis do you think this guy has taken at that time, it was just Viagra, and I do believe he was doing. A, he was doing a. Hey, you want to see my CV? <laughs> and then you mean, oh, your resume, and he just did blow and Viagra in the same line. <laughs> now he's like, now I'm pumped to dump. <laughs> I want to talk and I want to fuck. What a great night I got ahead of me. <laughs> I'm gonna jack off while calling someone on the phone. <laughs> no sex. Yeah. Hello, is this McDonald's customer service? I want to talk to you about your nuggets. Go. <laughs> oh, just stay on the phone. Stay on the phone. Oh, I'm making mine sweet and sour. Mine is sweet and sour. Mine sweet and sour. <laughs> so basically what the business model was, you call someone up just because of the time change. You call them up at when they would wake up would be like 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then you just scream at them until they buy business cards. <laughs> so he passed the interview process. And then the in, and then he hired one woman and he brought her up to the star to the to the fucking in front of everybody and he's like, see what's what's all about sales? Don't you think I'd like to take old Vanessa out here, take her out back in the shed, give her a bit of what for? That's what you get if you sell. And she was like, what? And he was like, with someone like Vanessa. <laughs> Wait, what? So then Bryn just left. Like he's like. If you sell enough, you get to fuck this girl. And yeah. then the girl was like, pardon me? And then Bryn just left. There is, okay, there's something that's not discussed enough, which is Canada has, basically, if you mix, there's something that happens with there's a certain type of person from Toronto, Ontario, that has vague Greek or Italian heritage, which is they are not from either of those countries, but they feel like they should act like them, but they actually don't know anything of the culture. So all of their ideas are just gleamed from, like whispered things from an uncle who drinks in the afternoon. So they just try and act like fucking assholes and just come across so fucking lame and weird. Oh, it's fucking ridiculous. And you have to also uh, keep this in mind. This is... Back when phone scams in Toronto, I remember my friend Eric, who lived in the same house, was like, oh, I don't have a job anymore. I was like, oh, shit, what happened? He's like, well, it turns out I was uh, working a boiler room telemarketing scam the whole time. Yeah. It's like, oh, because he, he was like on the front page of the paper. Like he got out of the building. He was one of the first to get out of the building because they definitely took a picture of a bunch of the people in the building. <laughs> We're like, these people are trying to steal your you know, your uh, retirement savings. And it's just a guy in an anime shirt who doesn't know what. Yeah, just a guy with a guy with a neck beard. Hello, I'm trying to save up so yeah. I can get a full-size Warhammer figure. <laughs> yeah, whatever that shit is. I got another job. I have another job. I write code for Facebook, but I need something on the side to spice up. Um, 
And those are current wrestling fans, and we're going to talk about when wrestling fans were chicks that wanted you to fucking throw it at them and goop all over the place, and the men who fucking wanted to watch. Yeah, now those chicks were, of course, scared away by meeting the Rock and Roll Express. They were like, do you have a daughter? And they were like, "Uh, no, I'm just here to see some athleticism. Yeah, (laughs) get out. (laughs) Do you have a daughter? I'm 25. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my name's Ricky Morton, and I figured out the key to youth, and that is being wrestling's greatest monster hidden in plain sight. I'm here to take your uh, innocence. Ooh. Hi, I'm Ricky Morton. You want to know why Robert's eyes that way? Because he fucking looked at me cross one time, and I said, I'm going to give you a little fucking reminder why you don't fuck with the Morton man. <laughs> so... As mentioned, this is where starting at the start of in 1983, Vern Gagne is building to Super Sunday. Honestly, in 1983, professional wrestling is in a amazing space because amazing WCCW. Space. I, yep. I just also want to point out, just from the Vince McMahon perspective, 1983, the territories are all waves cresting. And this is the year where Vince makes a lot of decisions that sort of, it almost holds back the power of the New York Territory. And it like it sort of builds up extra. And when Hogan comes, it just goes fucking... It's also part of it is this yeah. is where he could have put all the power behind Jimmy Snuka. And then Jimmy went, bye-bye uh, wife, bye-bye, bye-bye. And Vince McMahon had to get out the old pay off the cops in the rural town money. And that kind of ended that that like that story will never be told because but like it would be a sick ass fucking made for tv movie starring james woods as jimmy snooker not doing a jimmy snooker accent not. at yeah. all james, james woods is jimmy snooker donnie Wahlberg is vince mcmahon uh you're fired bro <laughs> <laughs> hey brother sorry brother is that what it says yeah. i'm not saying that yeah hey brother I'm James Snooker. I'm not saying Jimmy. Too formal. Yeah, I'm Jimmy. I'm Jimmy Woods. He can't be Jimmy. Him too. disagreeing with the script, we're leaving it on camera. He demanded <laughs> to keep it in there. <laughs> He's one of the producers. He's really a jackass. Yeah, it's like a podcast. I don't know what that is, but my girlfriend's 19. She talks about them sometimes. Can we get Joe Rogan to play <laughs> Terry Hogan, who I assume is a lady? <laughs> um... So, yeah, 1983, uh, they build a Super Sunday. AWA does. Hulk Hogan's supposed to win the title. He looks like he does. And then they reverse the judge's decision. For context, this would be like if right at the right at the peak of Daniel Bryan and the Yes movement, if just AEW was around and they just signed Daniel Bryan. This is pretty much what happens because they've done this false finish with Hogan so many times. Yes, absolutely. But the other thing you have to keep in mind is that this is in throughout this year is that all the territories ducks are in a row. This is the Jim Crockett's building to Starcade in 83 and then does it. It's huge. Coming off of the heat of Sergeant Slaughter and um, that fucking crazy tag team match with the Sergeant Slaughter's involved in with fucking uh, Hitler. It was Hitler and the concept of AIDS and HPV. Um, all yeah, of that's Hitler. So Sergeant Slaughter, but it's Sergeant also, Slaughter and Christianity versus AIDS and Hitler. But it, it's also Vince at this time. You have to know is searching for his superstar Billy Graham because at this time it's still Bob Backlund is still the champion and Bob Backlund the territory the WWF is continually having to stack the cards underneath Bob Backlund so that. They are making less money. And then you also have to think about this is how Vince's mind is always structured, which is if you put a muscly guy on top, I make more money because I don't have to pay for so many people underneath him. And I, they want to be on the card because they know they'll make more money off of other things if they're with this guy. He looks at Bob Backlund, who's essentially like the Daniel Bryan-looking CM Punk body, and went, this guy doesn't draw as much as Superstar did. I need to find my Superstar, Billy Graham. He thought he might have had it with Jimmy Snuka, but I guarantee Vince didn't like the fact that Jimmy Snuka didn't speak perfect English. He then hears about Hulk Hogan drawing $300,000 in gate money, in 1983 money, uh, at the AWA. 
And you know that he then went, I got to figure out how to get this guy. And also all the, the Georgia stuff is happening. So he's now getting someone like Jim Barnett who has connections with all the territories so we could probably get a connection into the AWA. Because the other thing is, is that Vern never liked his dad. So the AWA is a fucking hornet's nest in a variety of ways because he has no entree into that. At least with the NWA, they're starting to get away aware he's going to start making moves. But he has some allies. He can go to Eddie Graham. He can go to Paul Bosch. There's ways into those territories. The AWA, there's no way for him to go except for the way he does, which is just straight up call Hulk Hogan. Go ahead, Dylan. I was going to say that he's also probably by this time read the book on marketing that dictates everything. And if he hasn't, then it's a really good call, which is a differentiation point, which is all the NWA champions in the NWA board doesn't like Hulk Hogan because he's not what they think an NWA champion is, which is a kind of out of shape guy or like Ric Flair, make no mistake, was the most in shape NWA champion. Even though he had like a weird body, obviously Ric Flair is amazing. He's an amazing wrestler, but he has saggy boobs. He's always had saggy boobs. Now, Vince McMahon, he wants those fucking perky ass tits, baby. It's he the does, 80s, goddammit. But the other thing I want to point out is Ric Flair has that weird body in that he looks like a guy. He looks like he'd be good at a, like good at fighting, good at grappling, kind of actually works out in a gym body. Hulk Hogan has essentially a superhero out of the moving pictures body, which is you look yeah. at both, which one should be the champion? Oh, it should be Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's also there's never been an NWA champion that was like 6'8". Yeah, Hulk Hogan was just better protected than uh, Rick ever was. Yeah, and you look at Hulk Hogan, you're like, oh, that guy would win, and he's fucking bigger. Anyway... But the NWA doesn't want Hulk Hogan as the champion. Vince thinks, let's have some fucking bodybuilders. Vince McMahon is a lifelong bodybuilder. Why? You know what I mean? He's he's building a different wrestling company, which is... And I think it's obviously for the better, which is, this shit is fake. Let's get some people who... he Yeah, that shit's fake, but that guy's fucking scary. That guy, I don't want to be... That's what my... This is funny. My mom had a friend... Uh, who worked at her company and he would like talk about wrestling where he'd be like yeah it's fake but I wouldn't want to be stuck in a back alley with that guy That's and that's all you want in wrestling it's like yeah it's fake but fucking that guy's huge yeah it's again why Brock Lesnar continues to make a shitload of money in the WWE now is that Brock Lesnar to Vince McMahon is the end run final result of that of he walks through the yeah. airport and people are scared and go, what are what that guy does? Oh, he's the WWE champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Versus having Daniel Bryan go there like, I wonder what that guy does. I think I could be the WWE champion yeah. if I wanted to. I assume that that guy works as some sort of juice maker. Yeah, exactly. But then that's the full thing of it where it's like, yes, it is absolutely 100% fake. And wrestling is now like Star Trek where if you like wrestling, you like wrestling. There's nobody who's like questioning it. People are kind of implicit. If they watch wrestling, like it's so well known what wrestling is. Now, you don't have to do the airport thing anymore. Like, if you have the airport thing, that's fine, but, you know what I mean? Well, anyway. it's also, it comes um, down to the simple fact that Vince, again, is always chasing the look-see mainstream audience, and he learned that, and again, this starts in this time, because also, this is 1983 in New York. This is starting the revitalization of New York. So, Ed Koch is the mayor, and the, this is just going to take one second, but it, it is important. This is, the revitalization of New York starts around this time, in that... People from the suburbs are starting to come back into Manhattan for entertainment. And also, it's a huge art movement. This is the other side of punk. This is Andy Warhol in his sort of mainstream phase. And one of the things Andy Warhol starts doing is going to the shows at Madison Square Garden all the time. So they are starting to get this weird thing that is done as sort of a like, we're hipster yuppies. Isn't it ironic to go see pro wrestling in this old boxing auditorium? And that is extra rarefied money and press that Vince at the time, I'm sure, wasn't expecting. But that helps everything moving forward because he's being discussed as Andy Warhol was seen at Madison Square Garden. He was with David Wolf. He was with these music producers. All of these different bands are known to go. Like the, the mayor of New York goes at one point. It, it becomes a thing to do because they've been consistently performing in the center of Manhattan, 
very close to Times Square before Times Square was Disney World, and Times Square was essentially where you went and got blown by a sad Russian in a phone booth. And all of They had to be Russian. Of course it had to be Russian. You're from the Ukraine? Leave the phone booth. Yeah, get out of here. Where are you from? Uh, Stalingrad. Get in here. Suck. <laughs> Actually, I think that sex work is fine to do. I'm, I like my job. Thing, get out of the phone booth. The thing to remember about Russia is that our body is commodity. I use it for power. You're actually the fucking bitch. Get out. Get out. <laughs> I'm going to keep your kid juice in my mouth Then have kid with you I own you now Yeah, you'll need to understand power dynamic reverse I now fuck you <laughs> Now turn around I spit load in bottle yes. You have poo baby I now make poo baby <laughs> This is how they teach sex ed in Russia Yeah, you need no poo baby Be capitalist <laughs> Man turn around Yeah, man turn open around Open Come in shit Shit become banker Banker become shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Vodka is water Water is for little babies <laughs> So they're revitalizing New York Cable TV is going to ruin Territories because Here's what happens with territories uh, Cable TV is on it used to be I have to go see people like Let's throw a name out there Wilbur Snyder and Dick the Bruiser This 58 year old man Can beat up Kurt Henning Sure he can, why not And then you see Hulk Hogan on TV Everybody's dancing, having a good time Ripping it up on a fucking Friday night And then you see Dick the Bruiser Who's coming in the ring smoking a cigarette And someone tries to cheer And he goes, not today Yeah, not too loud Hey <laughs> Too fucking loud. I fucking Sunday is God's day. Although I am fucking hungover. You ever take a fucking. <laughs> I just took a shit that had the consistency of mucus, and I don't need to hear you go fucking. Eh. <laughs> Daddy's tired. I'm daddy. <laughs> Can you shut your goddamn fucking cocksucker a second? I fucking, I'm trying to do the goddamn crossword in the ring here. Yeah, can you fucking understand that these aren't even trunks? My body's shut down so much, it just my genital area appears black and amorphous. Now fucking <laughs> shut your fucking cocksucker. <laughs> oh, there's the bruiser. He's in the corner here. He appears to be. He's finished the crossword. He's real angry. He couldn't get six down. Shut your cucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's talk about this. So here's uh, so here's one big thing happens. This is previously mentioned on the last episode, but uh, Global Wrestling, run by Ann Gunkel, was yet to present a single show. But they had been pitching a TV program to 14 separate networks and had sent a memo to networks which said Global will have exclusive West Coast franchise from the NWA to promote live wrestling cards in the states of Arizona, California, Hawaii, New York, uh, New Mexico, and Nevada. Sorry, not New York. New Mexico and Nevada. Global debuted a television in Tucson uh, during December 1982. This was followed by Phoenix, January 83, then New Mexico and California. The show aired in Florida with Gordon Soley's announcer, Eddie Graham, also set up as uh, also set up as a tag title. Oh, sorry. Eddie Graham also set up a tag title. February 4th, 83, this is Ann Gunkel contacted by Jim Barnett and asked for then Ric Flair's, sorry, then champion Ric Flair's free dates between 83 and 85 to build the programming around him. Barnett refuses, stating it would be unfair to other members for her to book the champion so far in advance. In addition, the NWA's attorney revealed Gunkel was not officially a member of the NWA as she had previously claimed. May 83, Gunkel took Global off TV and stopped operating it as a solo enterprise for Georgia championship wrestling. And Ole Anderson was developing a new way of working to expand. This would send his a squad touring outside his territory to drum up interest. And the rest of the time he would present a new roster named Georgia superstars headed by Bill Dundee and Jim Cornette, who had their own TV show, <laughs> the racism squad. <laughs> yeah. All right. We need to make these Southern people like wrestling more. Get me um, a, Apps, get me history's greatest monster and a yappy dog who is really progressive but still for somehow has learned to hate black people. Oli, I've got the two guys for you. So what also this is... 
this was also a this was a talent trade thing because basically what happened in the Tennessee territory, the um, Bill Dundee, Jim Cornette, uh, and a few other people were so hot, but they were all the B level people against Jerry Lawler, and they needed to refresh. So basically, Ole took them, made them his A squad, while his double triple A squad went and toured out in Tennessee, and it was a nice talent trade because Ole felt that he could get these guys over because they were very good bookie minded to build on D and an exceptional talker in Jim Cornette, and boy howdy was he fucking right. Yeah, and also Bill Dundee and Jim Cornette touring through the South did lead to the revitalization of the Ku Klux Klan in America. Yeah, so that also was also <laughs> very important to remember. Not since Woodrow Wilson was the president of the United States has the Klan had had more bigger advocates uh, in the global media. Um, uh, it's often not remembered, but um, Jim Cornette actually, for a period in 1983, uh, changed his name for "I don't like them." Get off my block. <laughs> Oh, I'm totally into universal health care for the whites. Yeah, here's what I here's what I want, you fucking cunts. I want fucking socialistic ideals to be adapted into our capitalist society to manage things as automation becomes more of a fucking future. And I do not like people who aren't looking like me or my wife. <laughs> if you tan good, get out of here. Yeah. If I believe that you don't know how to swim because I'm a backwoods fuck, you're bad. <laughs> March 83, Tully Blanchard and Ole Anderson establish yeah, a talent a sharing, big, big, and that must have been an amazing... That dinner must have happened where it's like... They were just both eating vinegar-covered pickles and just, I want some of your talent, Tully. Oh, you'll get it when you fucking eat one of my nipples, you little bitch. And then they just start they start making out <laughs> after eating nothing but cat food. And then they they fight each other, but only they only they decide, okay, we're gonna fight each other, but only punch each other in one part of our body. So they just start stomach punching each other in an alleyway. Yeah. They both get bloody, violent, angry shits, but Oli's bigger, so he gets to decide what they do. Yeah, I imagine they just walked down a street with a lot of uh, people in need, and then someone was like, can I have a dollar? And they said no, and then viciously made out. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing gets me fucking harder than just saying no to a guy who needs something. <laughs> oh, he fucking needs it so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Finally, someone who's almost as strong as me. That, I mean, I'm stronger than you, Tully. <laughs> come in my dick then it's our come that was the night docking was invented it was invented in in tulsa oklahoma yeah. by ole anderson and tully blanchard because they're um they'd both taken such massive <laughs> massive rock hard protein shits that their bums were blown out so they're like we need another way of <laughs> so the reason i mentioned sorry the reason I mentioned Anne fucking Gunkel was she advertised Ric Flair. Ric Flair didn't show, and this is a huge blow to Global's reputation. What does Vince McMahon want anything more than anything in the fucking world? Anne, he wants fucking national television, baby. Anne Gunkel to take over the NWA and have it go as well as her first show did, and then he would literally walk through this fucking territorial war, war in two seconds. <laughs> but the thing is that's the thing about the nwa is everything's so spread out that no the power isn't consolidated for better and worse like now let's say this one territory becomes huge do you know what i mean like san francisco becomes huge the guy who controls san francisco is really good at one thing but um obviously needs help in another way i don't know there was one there was not one person that could control the nwa very well who really understood the scope of where entertainment was going that could have really fought vince mcmahon a lot of people say obviously it would have been stan mushnick who could have done it if he was younger but that's a lot of caveats like you need it you want so this guy could have done it but he had to have also been younger like that basically means like vince mcmahon was gonna win no matter what yeah, of course he was. It was because again, he was in New York. He had the right talent at the right time. Like the NWA, because also the problem is, is that all of the people that are left over from the NWA have this rose tinted, have this rose tinted memory of the NWA, and they don't remember for what it was, which was a bunch of sad guys essentially in smoky basements, 
um, listening to Ric Flair fuck while they were just taping up their wrists and then eating a sandwich. Like, the NWA's presentation would have never gone national. It was in the same way that if WCW had won the Monday Night War, wrestling would have just become like how Roller Jam is, where it's like, remember that thing that used to be on television? <laughs> if WCW would have won the Monday Night War, we should do a. That would be a fun Patreon episode to do because that would be away from the racism, which would be fun. And it wouldn't require any research, which would also be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be really fun. Yeah, that's coming up next is Dylan and I discuss what would have happened if WCW won the Monday Night War. Only on Patreon. Ooh, only on Patreon. So Ole is losing. This is the other thing is that everyone talks about wrestling has always talked about being very American centric. Make no mistake, at this point, no one makes more money than people who do tours with Japan. Japan pays better. That's just it. Like, absolutely. It and pays better. Japanese people will not slash your fucking tires when you e- exit the arena. They are just as. They, they believe wrestling is just as real as the people in the South do. It's just that Japanese people aren't fucking rednecks in the South. So they won't be like, I found your mom's house and I took an upper decker in her fucking toilet, killer Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ate all her cereal. You're not going to have a balanced breakfast tomorrow. Also, I fucked your dog. <laughs> Yeah, I found your fucking parents' house and I sucked off your dad. Now he's gay and left your mom. Gotcha, Killer Tom. Ha <laughs> ha! Kentucky! Um, the other thing... <laughs> I gave him a Kentucky sucky. The other thing to again bear in mind is throughout all of this, Vince... Wants old like Vince has also got to be excited that Ole's consolidating power and being the hottest territory because who is got who does Vince have working for him in his office is a guy who hates Ole with a fiery passion Jim Barnett and Jim Barnett is nothing if not a massive snake and very good at fucking winning Jim Barnett literally ba- was one of the few people that bounced back and forth between the w, uh, WWF and the NWA throughout the entire territory war ended up at in as a Turner Broadcasting employee towards the end of his life and died very financially well taken care of. So for the NWA, it's got to be so fucking exciting that they think, okay, we've got these hot territories bursting up, all of this sort of stuff, not thinking about the fact that they are, um, that Vince can uh, probably get more money because of where his territory is situated, but also Jim Barnett is going perfect. They're going to, they're going to teach Roddy Piper, uh, that's all I fucking need. They're going to teach Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine, um, these tag teams, Jim Brunzel, all of these guys, how to wrestle, how to get heat, the psychology. You're not going to have to worry about any of that. And then we're just going to offer them the a slightly better life. Not much. We're just going to guarantee that the booker isn't going to be the angriest man in the world who for some reason is trying to build a bookshelf while they're taping up their wrists to go have a dog collar match. My fucking son's reading it. I'm going to fucking build him a bookshelf with no fucking shelves and make him sleep in it. It's a coffin. Um, <laughs> so in my mind, and this is this is very much speculation, but this is also, they weirdly play into Vince's hands perfect. Only plays into Vince's hands perfectly by trying to heat up Georgia and also Ann Gunkel running around just being named the worst name in the history of the planet. Yeah, Gunkel's not a very powerful last Imagine, name. Imagine, who are you fucking? Ann Gunkel. Your name, just Gunk, doesn't really yeah. inspire a lot of confidence. Fuck me, Gunkel. So, <laughs> Oli presents several angles that went badly, including, this is this angle never works out. There's been tons of these versions of it. Killer Tom beats Paul Orndorff for the heavyweight title and then sells it to Larry Zbysko for $25,000. It worked, it's worked one time. Andre the Giant. Oh, Andre, Andre and uh, DiBiase. Ending up with Macho Man. Yeah. Um, but then that was stripped. Right? They immediately stripped it and then did a tournament. Yeah, they didn't do that. They were just like, Larry's the champion now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, but classic Ole Anderson, where he brings in the fucking Road Warriors. Good. And they obviously worked out pretty good. Because this is this is Road this is Road Warriors first run where literally what's the Road Warriors gimmick? Ah! Okay. 
Like they, the Road Warriors, and also they are so juicy. They are the juiciest juice oh. boys. And in the NWA, where no one is on juice, they fucking look amazing. You have to understand, like Vince McMahon has six juice boys. They only have two, and they're together. So it looks like these guys are going to just calmly shove these guys' heads into the mat. You know also, I mean? the other thing you have to remember is it's Southern wrestling, where like gimmicks were like, "He's a cowboy. He's a man." He's a man who's a cowboy. And then the Road Warriors gimmicks are like, we wear leather and, for some reason, also have sex with women. And we wear makeup. And I guarantee in, like, Bozemont, Alabama, watching that in, like, a grainy screen, they're, holy fucking shit, they're Russian. Like, it, they must have lost their <laughs> fucking minds. Why has that man got white coloring on his white skin? <laughs> this is the other thing where... I honestly believe this. It also completely legitimizes the WWF presentation of professional wrestling, by which I mean every Southern Wrestling card only has two guys who look this good. They only have two guys who are 6'4", roided to their fucking gills, and WWF has like seven of those guys. Now, and those two guys, the only two guys that look like pretty much every guy on the New York presentation are killing everybody. So subconsciously, I honestly think that every Southern Wrestling fan is like, oh, those guys would just, any of these dudes would come here and murder everybody. Does that make sense? Like that always, that that's always like when you ever take, I know this doesn't sound super Vince McMahon-y, but like whenever Impact Wrestling I think one of the major reasons it obviously never worked out was because they would take like Val Venus and he'd be like, he's Sean Morley now. And then he just beat AJ Styles. And it was like, oh, so the lowest ranked WWF guy would come in here and just run shit. You know? I was about to make this very point that AEW is starting to make this, pro this, like this issue, this, this mistake as well. And it's purely because they're friends with all of the guys that they felt should have been treated better in WWF. The big one you're now going to see is Luke Harper or whatever, Brody Lee or whatever the fuck his name is, probably brought in, managed by Jake the Snake, and he's going to beat the shit out of Cody Rhodes. But it's like, that guy for five years was just sort of like, he was just a thin man who hung out with uh, Bray Wyatt. Like, it's not like it was Diesel. Diesel was the champion for a year. And then came over, yeah, he, he, it makes sense that he's as powerful as your main eventers. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a miss of logic. And it started that, again, this is all of the time where Vince McMahon's thinking about wrestling is really formed. This is still within a year of his dad's death. He is now in charge of the company. He is deciding his own destiny. And I guarantee. Oh no, his dad's still. This is very important to understand. His this is 1983, and he's a, and he's a member of the NWA still. So Vince McMahon is making all these small moves, and and they're going like, "What the fuck's going on with your kid?" And Vince McMahon Senior, in like this is the true brilliance, is going, "It's fine. He's not doing. He's just he's just expanding a bit. It's not. He's not gonna." He's not going to promote in your territories. He's just he's just getting TV there because he wants to make like a, a TV show. He's going to make some money off TV or whatever he's saying. But like he's literally using these like 40 years of trust he's built up with some of these people of just like the, some of these guys met this man. They were like a jobber and this guy was hiring them. And when, maybe in some cases, the first person that ever gave them where they could be a professional wrestler and they gave him that break, and now he's fucking stabbing them slowly in the back. It's so good. It's, like, that is, as much as I came into this, I came into this thinking, oh, Vince McMahon hated his dad deep down. Now I'm like, no, they were, like, the ultimate fucking business team where it's like, yeah, so it, like, he legitimizes his son completely and then just fucking holds his best friend so his son can cut off their heads. Yeah, Sick. it's also, what it was, is, it's also Vince McMahon Sr.'s entire career was defined by not really liking being told what to do by the NWA. And as he dies, yeah. he's just like, I couldn't have ever gotten away with it, but I, I can hold off the dogs of war long enough. Vinny, have a great time. Well, this is the yeah. This is the other thing where uh, Vince McMahon Senior, as we know from how his son got into wrestling, not a big union guy, and the NWA effectively is a union. Oh, 
what a so they just fucking break the union yes the nwa is a system of people there's all these union leaders there's one main union leader you have to do what the union says it's good for everybody hey you know what it might not wrestling might not do as well if we have as if we have one guy with one vision and completely consolidated but it'll be very healthy for a lot of people if we work under this and that's what people talk about with the territories where like you could work for years and be really healthy you know you wouldn't make three million dollars like four guys would make three million dollars but like many men would make two hundred thousand dollars that's how this would work and vince mcmahon jr and effectively senior blow that entire thing up so we're gonna take a break right now because we're about 40 minutes in almost and uh, we'll be back with more about the fucking territories yeah coming up in the next half dylan tries to suck his own dick and breaks his neck see you then i've been uh i've been i've been putting a cup on my skin mound where my dick is so it actually makes my cock bigger that's the start of this ad oh let's go to patreon.com backslash wrestler review and donate and donate to us five dollars gets you exclusive access to our patreon feed and episodes ahead of time for 25 bucks you can select a wrestler to review one guy did buck zoom off who's a pedophile rapist and we still reviewed him god damn it we have no allegiances go to patreon to hear the buck zoom off episode also known as the time where two friends are pushed to the fucking edge <laughs> yo 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 patreon.com backslash rest review or rate us on itunes subscribe throw yourself out a fucking window who gets a shit Oh, we're back from break. It's still 1983. Hulk Hogan is trying to fucking be a wrestler in the AWA, and Vern Gagne is just like, no, that costs money. Give me money. <laughs> so what's the last refuge of a professional wrestling? When you know you're losing, you know someone's beating you. Here's what Ole Anderson does. He has a known jobber named Chief Joe Lightfoot because, of course, the jobber is a weird stereotype. And he uh, goes against a new character named Vince McMahon. M-C-M-A-N-N. It's crazy that this is never talked about. This is never talked about by all of these fucking NWA holdout Ric Flair, Jim Cornette guys that they did the exact same fucking shit that that Vince did all of the time. Like, they're just like, no, we wouldn't. We would never besmirch ourselves. Like, of course you did, you little fucks. <laughs> well, this is also fun, too, because, goddammit, St. Louis Wrestling is about to get the ICW, that is Angelo Poffo's wrestling organization, with his two sons, Randy, My Insanity Makes Sense, and Lanny, My Insanity Makes No Sense, yeah. Poffo. No, yes, oh, the best, the best wrestlers in the biz, baby. Yeah, there's, there's Randy where it's like, nah, I'm crazy. I'll just punch you in the middle of a supermarket. Ooh, that'll draw money. And then there's Lanny. Nah, I'm crazy. I'm just going to do yoga in a supermarket and then tell everyone about the rewarding uh, the rewarding idea of using flaxseed a lot. It really helps your bowels. But you have to remember about wiping your ass is that is the sign of a weak man. Lanny Poffo is here. He's going to challenge for the world title. Your bowels are very important. Use flaxseed. You will have a good movement. Anytime. At any time of a day, a woman could give you a rim job, and you need to make sure that your asshole is <laughs> as pink as day one, pre-first shit. <laughs> so a new promotion How starts immediately. Do you think about the fact that Lanny? I think, and this is for everyone. If you haven't watched Lanny Poffo explain what he does every day as his morning routine. You need to because it's the greatest. Like, because again, Lanny Poffo has all of his brother's money. It's both between his brother, his his mother, and him. So he's got an infrared sauna, and he runs to a basketball court and plays basketball with a bunch of kids, and then just eats blueberries all day, and then takes very simple shits. It's fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah, no, I mean. Make no mistake, Lanny Poffo's going to be, like, at wrestling conventions just as, like, the only guy who was around in that territory until he's, like, 96 when he finally passes on. And people are going to ask him questions, and he's just going to get to rewrite wrestling history yeah. as Lanny Poffo wants it to. It was like, oh, what was it like working with the Junkyard Dog? He was fantastic. One time, me and Junkyard Dog shared an amazing evening on top of a mountain. Yes. He never told anybody. <laughs> the thing to remember about me and Junkyard Dog is it was all my idea, and I did it. 
<laughs> I came up with the character. I'm the one that made wrestling fake. It was real until 1993. Mm, the thing to know about me is that I have no idea where my car is parked. Does anyone know where I put my car? <laughs> they still let me drive. I'm the genius. Mm. Has anyone else noticed that I've shit my pants, but it was one solid brick, so they just thought it was a paving stone? <laughs> so Bob Geigel starts a new promotion on the back foot of um, this uh, the ICW launching, and he's allowed to let to have Harley Race beat Ric Flair for his record-breaking seventh NWA championship win. Um, Geigel even has. Uh, this is very interesting because he does promote and has um, Andre the Giant on his June 10th card. And he starts the promotion a couple months. Uh, no, he starts the promotion basically just trying to cr- crush the ICW before it gets at all at all. Uh, sorry, off the off the ground. And this is weird because a month earlier, May 10th, 1983, Frank Tunney has died while he was on holiday in Hong Kong. He was on the NWA board of directors at the time as the second vice president uh, he had filled the void left by sam mushnick as the voice of reason and he could be relied on to work for the nwa not in his own self-interest also who is frank who's frank who's frank tunney's son jack tunney jack tunney and who does and jack tunney take gets the greatest sweetheart deal of all time and runs jack tunney cash as out he is the anti Vince McMahon. he is like uh f this I just announced that Bret Hart has been disbanded on TV once every three years. That's my new job. Fuck and you're yeah. going to pay me six fucking figures and I'm not going to be like Stu Hart and rock the boat. Yeah. I'm just going to go to farmer's markets in Toronto and haggle, see if they like wrestling yeah. so I can get money off. If you sell me these peaches for uh, 30 cents instead of 35 cents from now on, uh, maybe your favorite wrestler wins the IC title. <laughs> and that's how Tatanka went undefeated. Do you know Yukon Eric? Because I'm looking to meet him as well. <laughs> yeah, he's really outdated references. Yeah. <laughs> I could get you in a room with uh, Dick the Bruiser. That sounds disgusting. Oh, I didn't realize how it sounds out of context. I was just wondering if you guys knew which way the Maple Leaf Gardens was, because I'm a bit turned around. <laughs> Jim Barnett, August 21st, resigns as the secretary and treasurer of the NWA. This was the result of, of obviously, his infighting between him and Ole Anderson, where Ole Anderson found it. He was a gay man and <laughs> was very mad. Wait a minute. I thought that was just two straight men having a nice night. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I didn't know it was for realsies. Yeah, wait a minute. What? What? Why is it so dark? And why are they giggling? Um, <laughs> the other thing I want to bring up that's very smart, and it's just looking at how they deal with the pothos and this rogue territory, is also Vince basically takes their when because Vin, Vince has Andre the Giant, so when he splits, which is going to come up here in a second, he's got Andre as his counter to them trying to counter promote. He also then takes basically yes. everyone but David Von Erich off of, uh, on that list of guys they bring in, and David Von Erich dies. So essentially, he just yes, in like it's like the NWA was America. They had the nuclear bomb, and Vince McMahon was Russia. And Vince, instead of like stealing the codes for the nuclear bomb, he just took all of their physical nuclear bombs and were like, "These are mine now. I do. I. I'm. I. I have them." Yeah, well, wrestling is in a very good space right now. Like, a lot of territories are making a lot of money. Obviously, you have Texas is blowing up. Um, Everyone's drawing really well with Flair and Harley for the NWA title. You have Dusty as well in there, obviously making Florida good. Like, a lot of people are doing good. And basically what happens is wrestling is on an upswing. And Vince says, Vince sees that this could be massive. And everyone else is just enjoying a lot of money. Like, that's all that's happening. It's like, these guys are partying and not seeing the future, which is even more money than this. Like, they don't have any foresight. They're just like, oh, sweet, everything's great. You're telling me I can afford a pizza and a red roof in? Fuck yeah, bro. And then Barnett, obviously, this is very funny, still, because he's very smart, retains all his stock in GCW despite leaving the NWA and attended the rest of the convention because he is like Vince McMahon Jr. and like Vince McMahon Sr. Jim Barnett will get mad at you, but you won't, but he'll still like be your friend. You know what I mean? 
Like he's a smart man. To him, it's business. Like Jim Barnett's of already lived a life. He got run out of the South for I still don't really understand the story, but basically pimping out a lacrosse team to Rock Hudson. What the fuck? Like Oh, and to and to this point, I'm sure everyone's heard this story, but they were gonna call him Ken Anderson. Um and he was he they made him Ken Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy, because they were, he was going to be—he was going to be Vince McMahon's bastard son. No, because before that, basically, he was like because he didn't want any reference to Ole Anderson on his television. Holy, That's how long Vince McMahon has held on to this anger. He was like, "Fuck Ole Anderson!" Isn't that great? It is great. Well, it's also no one likes Ole Anderson. Like no one likes Ole Anderson. Yeah, he's a dickhead, and then to top it off, he's very racist, which is like... The only person that s- sort of seems to like him is Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette's even like, well, he's a son of a bitch, of course. but he's got wisdom. Well, Vince, all you have to do is have been around to when Jim Cornette started wrestling, and he loves you. Yeah. I'll tell you who is a great heel is that Joseph Stalin. <laughs> Good heel. He got heat. He got heat with Ukraine and he got heat with corn. <laughs> Good heat. Oh, we're going to hell. <laughs> so what we're talking about here, the AWA, this is very funny because it's Vern Gagne, but the AWA is essentially birthing all these great showmen and all these great people who are really great at television. And then they're going right to the WWF and that becomes, and the bottom the top half of the WWF roster becomes the bottom half, and the top half is the AWA wrestlers. It's basically what happens is that um, the NWA and the AWA are the ovens for delicious baked goods, and Vince McMahon just walks into the kitchen before the other cooks takes them, and they're like, these are my cookies. Prove it. <laughs> Fucking prove it. The people that want to buy them can't see the oven. That's this is the, They go to my bakery, and they're like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and this is the other thing was they're worried. The NWA is worried about antitrust laws if they do decide to try and take on Vince McMahon as a whole, which is very funny. Yeah, of course, because Vince McMahon obviously found himself in antitrust laws after WCW went down. Yeah, well, in you know the NWA, he, he would know from antitrust laws because I'm sure he called the fucking he was calling the feds every 45 minutes, like they do bad, you know, to take to, 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 to take care of them, take care of them, take care of them. This is the very interesting thing. So all the turmoil, obviously, Mr. Tunney's died, Barnett's gone, all this crazy stuff. So here's the new NWA board that comprises of Ole Anderson, yes. Jim Crockett, Good. Mike Graham, yes. Don Owen, yes. David Von Erich, Dory Funk Jr., and Victor Jovica. Oh, yeah. How? Okay, let's go through how many people on there definitely plan to murder. Victor Jovica. <laughs> Dory Funk Jr. probably cares more about his farm. Dor- oh, Dory Funk Jr. could give... Dory Funk Jr., I guarantee, is reading a magazine that sells dirt in the meeting. What? I got Kentucky bluegrass <laughs> on my fucking farm. You can't have fucking unsodded one. It needs to, have, it needs to be nutrient-rich. Jim Crockett is like, I have an idea for wrestling. How about... How about we have a car win? Because it has no shoulders, so technically you can't pin it. How- and everyone's like, oh, okay, that's an okay idea. And Mike Graham's just watching people lose fights and being like, oh, yeah. Mike, yeah, Mike Graham, <laughs> Mike Graham has a knife that he keeps saying is for whittling, and all he does is just, he just keeps slicing the side of the table that he's on, just going, this is my dad. <laughs> this is my dad. Mike Graham, by uh, Mike Graham... Mike Graham noted, by the way, always calls Terry uh, Hulk Hogan Terry, always talks about how they're friends. Hulk Hogan has never acknowledged him, and I guarantee he's just like, I, I don't know that guy. <laughs> Again, this is the most interesting thing. And this is also, is this the AW, this, is this the NWA meeting where they talk about shooting Vince McMahon? No, that's, I think it's next year. Jim Ross overhears them talking about murdering Vince McMahon. Yeah, I mean, but that could have been... The thing is, they want to everyone to think they're tough guys. Like, that's all any professional wrestler at this era wants. It's like, ooh, I could kick his ass. But, I mean, they're just talking about murdering him 
probably colloquially like, oh, I wish I could fucking kill that guy. I assume that. Or if they were talking about it seriously, it's like, I don't know, man. You know you know, a back suplex wouldn't actually knock someone unconscious, right? Like, a lot of the times when I hear wrestlers talk from this time, oh, it would? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, be careful. He will put you in, sorry, in John. an arm drag hammer lock, and then you'll have to go to the hospital. <laughs> so, August 31st, 1983, in a letter, because obviously... You're promoting David Von Erich over Vince Sr. Obviously, you don't want Vince Sr. in the NWA anymore, so he just resigns. Uh, and his letter was, I wish you continued success and many my many friends in the Alliance. What's interesting is that the entire letter had quotation marks around it, and they didn't know what that was at the time. They're like, oh, that's a weird, weird thing to do on a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. So Vince Sr. had been making many aggressive moves, so had many others, but this officially, it's under, he's untethered from the by the conventions that led the American history to this point. Despite this, it's clear that Jr. was acting in a way nobody within the industry felt could work with any longevity. He was offering sums that felt unsustainable and was backed by heavy debts. It is, in a, is it arguable, sorry, it is arguable, even his father felt the scale of his ambition totally unrealistic. They were blissfully unaware, of course, that the signature on Vince McMahon Sr.'s Reddick registration letter was also the signature on the nwa's death warrant because basically if you put it in a if you put it in a military sense vince mcmahon is selecting his troops he's lining them up at the borders and the resignation is a declaration of war but like these guys are still there's still you can't this is gonna sound messed up but it's like you can't in business, you can't have a six a six headed monster with everyone going in their own ways and not working towards their own goal. Can't beat a guy with his own goal. Like he should make just make decisions so much faster. It's also the mentality of the NWA at this time is 1970s, and Vince is coming yes. at them in a 1980s mentality. I.e., why I.e. look at the AEW has a very modern storytelling big fight mentality they don't always accomplish it but that's what they're going for vince is still relying essentially on a 1980s mentality in portions of his show well vince mcmahon has his new presentation of professional wrestling quote unquote new presentation of professional wrestling and now i will say this there's this how how would i put this there's more differentiation in the pro wrestling product that vince mcmahon puts on television than there ever has been like he's letting people do indie moves and all that stuff but it's still very much every episode is exactly the same the same storylines happen you kind of know who will get pushed and who won't whereas AEW is in the infancy so obviously they're just going to push whoever people like because they need this to be successful and they also present like six different types of pro wrestling within their product because if you watch code every cody rhodes storyline is like it's 1986 just with 2020 cameras and every obviously storyline in the undercard is all just indie wrestling and all these crazy moves and stuff so they're getting more grounded in storyline. basically what i'm saying is there's more variety on aw and less variety on wwe and because it's so new and because people just trust it, people trust that they will make a new star on AEW versus in WWE. It's like, yeah, this guy won this week, but he'll lose next week and none of this matters and I don't trust anything. Like, they haven't made a new star in years. No. Drew McIntyre, I guess they're starting to make now. But, but like, it's not going to last. Oh, it's not going to last. Oh, it's not going to So I watched the documentary. There's a, I don't know if it's still on YouTube, but I think the WWE Network made it about evolution. And I looked at that documentary and I was like, that's the last successful angle they ever did. Yep. It was B Triple H. Batista. Yep. Triple H Batista was the last time that Triple H laid out. People forget this. But Triple H lost to him at WrestleMania. It, Batista had the upper hand the entire time. Um, and then the next month, Triple H was like, well, I still have the pedigree. And you knew exactly what was going to happen. He pedigreed Batista. Batista kicked out. Batista is like the first guy to kick out of the pedigree. You have to remember during this time, Triple H would like pedigree someone, sit in a chair, wait for a minute, and then pin them with one finger, and they'd be like, "Well, he's dead." Yeah. <laughs> then they would actually they 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 would be airlifted to a hospital and be diagnosed with cancer, and they're like, "You have cancer of the pedigree." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> you'll be dead in a month, and then he'd be like, "You have to sell this." What does that mean? We're I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna die. You have to. Yeah. There's, 
this is how this works. And he's like, why are you doing, why do you do this? Oh, we bought your life off your mommy for money. Yeah, I'm Vince McMahon. I can buy lives. I'm a mummy. Yeah, the last, or the shield. The shield is the last people, but they've messed up with the shield as well. And the only, they don't really make people, they don't like kill, they don't let this guy is running rampant through the roster for a year and then you don't have to have him do that anymore, which is what AEW is doing, where it's like Moxley is winning every match. He's undefeated right now because they're trying to get all the stink of Dean Ambrose off of him. And then I'm sure in six months he'll just start losing. They don't need to get that much of the stink off of Dean Ambrose. What they need to get is the stink of the time where he, for some reason, is afraid of... um, uh, He's afraid of gunk or something. I can't... What the fuck was the whole thing? I don't know. I haven't watched enough WWE. I I haven't week-to-week watched uh, that stuff in, in many, many years. But... Yeah, the 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 stars, quote unquote, that he's made, um, the stars that WWE's made have just been off the indie scene or them doing their own work. Like that's how the stars have been made. AJ Styles came in as a friggin' superstar. Watch his entrance, you know. Yeah, and they fucked that up too. No, no, you're a hundred percent right on everything you're saying. Um, and they fucked that up too because his entrance was preceded by Roman Wayne's staring at a screen going, who's this guy? <laughs> exactly. So, John, what's your favorite thing about uh, Vince McMahon during this second part of Death of the Territories? He's making all the right moves. This is like, this is a very rare time that this guy can't fucking make a wrong move right now. It's He's fucking nailing it. Well, this is also the other thing. I think it's, it's, it's him capitalizing on the bickering that's always been happening in the nwa like it's always they obviously everyone always wants their promotion to be the number one promotion and get the most dates on the champion and you know secede and make their own name that's what everyone wants you have to understand also wccw is on fire during this time and fritz von erich has always been pissed off that he was never the nwa champion so that's happening as well and now that david's on the board he's like okay i have a seat on the board now i get to decide who the nwa champion is and david was his dude who he wanted to be the nwa champion because people were like Carrie is has the best look, but David has the best mind for wrestling, and they would have put it on David for sure because that's the total NWA move. It's like, oh yeah, everyone loves Carrie Von Erich, but we're putting it on David Von Erich just because he's 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 got a better yeah, like, goddamn waistline. Check lock. the connection of your microphone because I can barely. It's like it sounds like it's coming out. I can barely hear you. No, I uh, the headphone jack there came out. Yeah, don't worry about it. That was not the microphone. That was the headphone okay, jack. Great. So what's the so yeah? He can't make a mistake. What's your uh, what's the worst thing about Vince McMahon during this period? Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna still throw. I'm gonna still say the Jimmy Snuka murder cover up. Okay, then what's the worst thing about the territories this period? Oh, Ole Anderson existing. Ole Anderson does cause a lot of this. Ole Anderson is a big part of this problem. Let's 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 fucking. Let's just all be honest with ourselves. Like, there's not like a lot of this wouldn't happen if it wasn't for old Ole Anderson just gumming up the works. I don't think. I think this would have happened either it way. I think happened. that he's I know. Sped I, it and I also am not one of those people that's like, man, I wish the NWA had lasted. It's like, no, it would have been so bad. Like, it would have been so fucking crazy bad. It couldn't have. Every there's no mom and pop businesses during the '80s are being slaughtered. Wrestling's no different. Yeah. Of course. Of course it wouldn't have fucking lasted. But, you know, one can... It, what it is, is what I'm saying is I wish that I, wrestling was as enjoyable as I remember it being in previous times in my life, and it's just not that fun right now. And I don't like that it's not super fun. I want it to be super fun again. Yeah. Yeah, I think the worst thing is, yeah, Ole Anderson and Jim Barnett fighting sped along a lot of things. Obviously them naming new members of the board and a lot of the level-headed people passing on and them having new blood is a good thing but getting all the old guys to agree to a completely new strategy for promoting wrestling you have to understand they haven't done like crazy super cards yet they did one starcade that was like this okay well if vince is going to do this we'll have a big show promoting all of our territories and then all once again run all of our territories independently and they don't only start freaking out and doing like super cards about a year later yeah um yes the other this is 84 sorry so like what's the when's the super card is that 85 85 86 is when they start to panic the other i just wanted to make this point about the nwa board the other 
it's hard to do sort of a worst of for this year because it's again, it's one of those things where basically this period of Vince McMahon is like it's one year, one year setup, one year moves, one year set. And eighty three is very much the like, as you said, he's getting all of his soldiers in order, and the NWA is fucking oblivious. And also, look at their board. Their board is also a lot of very entitled people because they're all people that their parents were really good in the NWA, and they grew up being like. Daddy doesn't love me. The only way daddy will love me is if I'm good at wrestling. Like, it's one of those crazy sort of things where, you know, Mike Graham has a giant chip on his shoulder that you can see even after death. Um, And it's, and, you know, Fritz is really angry. Dory Funk Jr. could give a fuck. It's all this sort of stuff. So it's this perfect fucking, yeah, it's a perfect storm for disastrous results. Yeah. All right, so that's the end of this fucking episode, you pieces of shit. Follow us on Instagram. Nice. Follow me on social medias for more show information. Follow Dylan God on show places for more information and suck his penis. Give him a hand job. <laughs> Follow me in real life. Follow my dog. Follow my BB. Um, go to at wrestler review on twitter and instagram for more information on all our bullshit the wrestler review podcast on facebook and patreon.com backslash wrestler review if you want to donate money to the fun boys and i'm oh yeah i'm on social media at dylan got d-y-l-a-n-g-o double up that t April 11th in Gananoque, April 18th in Peterborough. If you're in Canada, come to those shows. Then lie down, bark like a dog. I'm a dog, too. Woof, woof. I just wanted to see how long it would take for you to fill that silence. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when the Vince McMahon saga continues. Nice.